Welcome to Cross the World with Kelly Miller, where we take you behind the curtain to see what it's like for some of the most impoverished children and families on the face of the planet, and how we can help transform their lives from deepest need to thriving joy. I'm your host, Kelly Miller, the president and CEO of Cross International. And I'm Chris McIntyre, co-host of Cross the World. This is episode seven, and this is our first episode for the year 2023. So, uh... Happy New Year, Kelly. Happy New Year, Chris. (laughs) Yeah. And we're going to start off this new year talking about the power of partnership. You know, what does that mean and why is it important in a nonprofit setting? And you know, the first thing that comes to mind, Kelly, is that in a commercial setting, the power is in being profitable. That's where your value is. But I'm thinking that in a nonprofit setting, the power base is a, is a whole different dynamic. Yeah, well, great point. Really good observation. By the way, Happy New Year. Uh, here we are in 2023. Yeah. <laughs> How the heck did that happen already? <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't know. Man. Wow, here we are. Uh, but no, I, I love this topic. I mean, this is such a core uh, uh, idea, concept, and then operational activity right, for, for what we do in international development and relief work, and especially Christian-based, you know, church-based, God-based um, development work that we do together. The, the, the idea translated into action of partnership is so important. You right? really have to have partners, you do. don't you? you? You do. And, you know, let's let's talk about that. I mean, for, the, for our listeners that mm-hmm. kind of maybe scratch their head, well, what do you mean? What is this whole thing about partnership? And, yeah. you know, yeah. let's step back. For all of us, you know, look, we see pain and suffering around us and Generally, you know, mm-hmm. we want to help. You know, sure. we, we've got this this drive to do that's something. That's right? why we right. got into this in, into this ministry. Right, and that's true. And you know, to the point is, you know, we love sharing God's love with people, right, and His mm-hmm. truth and and who He is, and and help meet people's both spiritual and physical needs. Right, you got to meet both. Um, and 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 that when you do that in in good ways and partnership is part of it, that's when you can create that effective change, right? Right, right. and yeah. that that long term change. And and certainly there there are times where you know in a in an emergency situation where we need to provide say food, medical care, shelter, clean water, that kind of stuff for today, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's that that look for the long term, right? And that effective change. And this is where partnership, the idea of partnership, is so 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 key. It's really it is the difference between failure, and success in, in our ministry work. Not just Cross, but other organizations like ours. Um, but can I give you a bit of background? Why, for me, I'm so passionate about this <laughs> sure. and where this came Go from. Ahead. we got to roll the clock back a few decades, right? So here we are in the late 1990s, and I think in other podcasts we've talked a, a bit about the uh, the crisis that was going on in, in Kosovo and Albania and that region at the time. Right. And yeah, uh-huh. just to bring our listeners back up to speed, there was a, a conflict in in um, in that region of the world um, uh, between ethnic groups uh, and and governmental groups. Uh, uh, there's a whole lot of storyline behind that, but the bottom line: um, uh, many people in the country of Kosovo were uh, being pushed out, people of Albanian uh, ethnicity were being pushed out into Albania. Yeah. This was 19, uh, forgive me, 99-ish? Yeah. Yeah, 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 right around there, give or take a year. So uh, uh, sorry if I've got that year off wrong. But for me, that was my very first boots-on-the-ground operational activity. I was working for another organization at the time and and uh, had done a lot of, of uh, uh prior to physically being on the ground with 
in these situations had uh, managed our gifts in kind division where we shipped a lot of supplies. But uh, I, I moved out of that role into uh, our emergency response director globally for the organization. So this is my my kind of baptism under fire, uh, you know, in a pretty dynamic uh, environment, to say the least. There are about a million, almost a million refugees that had flowed out of uh, Kosovo uh, or Kosovo, depending on uh, <laughs> what ethnicity you want to you want to come from and how you pronounce that, uh, into Albania. So uh, we, our organization, were one of many. Organizations globally, uh, uh, non non governmental organizations, NGOs, non profit organizations, or their equivalents from other countries, and churches from around the globe that were responding to this this emergency. And uh, boy, it was eye opening. It was so eye opening for me. So we're based in Tirana, Albania, the capital of Albania, which had only recently opened to the the Western world just a handful of years prior to that. It had been very, very close to the Western world. Very dynamic culture there. Uh, there were, uh, again, this is the late 90s, uh, the, the coordination of humanitarian aid and emergency response was really just kind of in its infancy in those years. So much lack of coordination. There were well over 300 uh, organizations that had registered with the uh, United Nations uh, entity that was their registering organizations. And so here I'm in Albania and uh, with all these organizations, and I'm just I'm seeing so a lack of coordination, a lack of working together um, in terms of, of, of staffing and personnel and the type of work that we're doing and, and such. And, you know, it, it's, it's pretty, in an emergency situation like that, as an organization, if you don't have uh, current operations in that particular country. It's pretty expensive to mm. set up an office, bring in staff. You're going to be there for months, if not years, in in an in a, in emergency and rehab and these kind of things. And to see that happen in, uh, multiple times over with different organizations, I just thought, wow, you know, what? That's a bit of wasteful here, right? And then layer on top of that, the Christian organizations. You know, I'm talking all organizations, uh, faith-based and non-faith-based, but particularly within the Christian organizations, I saw a complete, not a complete, that's an overstatement, a high level of lack of coordination. And this is in a, a country and a culture that it was uh, 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 stated atheist uh, uh, culture and, and government prior to its opening of the West and these kind of things. And I, just, I remember walking away from many, many months of working there uh, actually, uh, in two years there, and thinking, wow, what are we as a Christian community, what, what statement are we making to those around us that, that don't know Jesus and aren't believers, and, and they see these fragmented you know, Christian organizations? So anyhow, for me, that was, that was a, a very much a teaching moment uh, or period of time for me. And at the end of it, I got to know a, a fellow from another American-based uh, a faith-based uh, uh, organization there. We got to know each other quite well over, over a number of, of months and a year plus uh, working in and out. And this guy was a grizzled veteran. He had worked uh, in in Bosnia and in that region during the war, uh, the few years prior and other conflicts prior to that. And he was a pretty savvy person in terms of what was going on there. And, and, and by the time the emergency phase had scaled back, um, and it, it came for us time to leave, and then the development phase folks would come in. You know, we said goodbye to each other, and, and he half-jokingly, half-seriously said to me, hey, I'll see you at the next war. <laughs> you know, and I turned back, and I go, what? And he goes, yeah, you know, this is a community that we just see each other in these conflicts. 
So that phrase, I'll, I'll see it to the next war, has stuck with me for the last 20-some years is when it comes to the idea of partnership. Because as organizations, we do, global organizations, we do tend to overlap in areas together. And then how do we work with our local partners, the organizations that are based in the countries? That's the, cre- that's the secret sauce right there for us. And so anyway, it, it, that's kind of the basis for me. And then, then you layer on top of that. The places that God has called across international and other organizations to work in are oftentimes pretty hard and harsh environments. Um, most they're they're in uh, underdeveloped developing countries, uh, so a lot of poverty, um, oftentimes lack of infrastructure. You know, just the basics of of electricity and running water and uh, things that we take for granted are not in place. Uh, oftentimes, there's there's political instability, right? which translates oftentimes into civil in instability and civil unrest. And so, so all these factors are, are, are factors that just make it challenging to do the work, the ministry work that God's called us to do. So the question is, why would we do things that make it even harder for us to do those things? And one of those would be if we don't partner, we don't cooperate. It just makes our, our, our work harder to do. So, Changing our framework organizationally, and, and, and not just CROSS, but many organizations over the last few decades have really taken on much more of a partnership perspective. And, uh, and it's helped so much because it, it really is the best, I believe, the best platform for creating that long-term effective change that we're talking about. Yeah. And it's a biblical mandate. You know, I mean... Most everybody knows the story from Ecclesiastic, right? And the writer is telling us about the woes and all these things. And he says, look, come on, two are better than one. You know, don't go on your own. You know, your cord will break. But when you've got a, uh, a strong cord, a, a threefold cord, you, you, you're strong and you're mighty working together. There's a lot more to that story. But at the end of the day, you know, oh, it's, it's, yeah. it's such a strong biblical mandate no. to, to work together and, and to leverage each other and to be there together. You know, what I love about that threefold cord imagery is it's often used in spiritual contexts, weddings and such, but there is this huge practical context to this as well. You know, I, I didn't always live in a coastal community, but I do now, and I, I actually saw the cords of three strands for the first time, and it's so incredibly strong and powerful. And it really visually reinforced Solomon's observation that the threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know, so for our listeners, they're probably going, well, what does that really mean? What does that look like? Yeah. You know, on the stuff that we do, and the, the, the ministry work that we do, and, and, and let, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, uh, quite often, less often than what might be portrayed in the media and is talked about uh, uh, around the water cooler is, uh, uh, you know, the sense that... that um, you know, that rogue organization will, a disaster happens or some work, uh, development work is going on, and, and that organization just goes off on their own and, and um, doesn't connect with local leaders. And, and, and again, this, this does happen. Um, comes in and, and will, say, do medical work or distribute food or clothing, wherever it might be, and then leave. And that happens quite a bit within church organizations too. Sure, you know, sure. and it's it, it, the 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 passion, the motivation is is right, in the sense of you know you want to like we said at the, to, at the top of this, you know, you, you see pain and suffering, you want to affect that, right? But 
if you don't engage with the people in the know mm. and develop a partnership, that's a very it's it's a quick fix that goes away and oftentimes leaves bitter feelings and uh, lack of trust and, and other outcomes that are not good. So when we talk about partnership, you know, as, as we alluded to earlier, it's really important for international organizations to partner. But, but the, the secret sauce, as we talked about, is partnering with local organizations that know their communities. And this is what I love about our model across international, mm-hmm. our ministry models, that, that that's, that's how we work. And, and other organizations like ours, in that instead of us, we coming in to do something to you, you know, we're going to walk the journey with you as an organization. You, you, again, you may not have the resources, the financial resources. You may not have the staffing needs. You may need some help in uh, program planning and leadership development and ministry plan within that. I mean, these are all smart people knowing what to do, but just the technical aspect. That's where we can help come alongside them and develop that sense of partnership. And they, of course, lo- they know. They know their communities. You know, they know the needs much deeper than we do or ever will. So how do we help that organization do what God's called them to do in deeper and wider ways? And to do that with an open set of hands, not trying to grip it and do it our way, but do it in a way that says, let's do this together. Again, for that effective change uh, for the long term. And um, that is uh, that's a platform for uh for great change. And if I could, can I just tell you what I think is kind of a beautiful story of, of partnership? Sure, okay. sure. Let's, uh, let's hop on a plane and uh, <laughs> go down to Guatemala. I was just there a couple weeks right. ago, but we're going back. So here we go. Get I love it when up. you say that. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are in, um, in uh, eastern, southeastern uh, Guatemala uh-huh. uh, in the mountains. And um, uh, we have uh, one of our programs it's called the baby rescue program and chris i know you know that 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 well and and maybe a lot of our listeners do if you don't please please check it out but it's a it's a it's an incredible uh example of partnership and and truly saving lives and then helping families get up on their feet for the long term right that effective effective change how does it work so in that region a lot of poverty i mean a lot of poverty particularly i mean hundreds of thousands of people live uh, in the in the mountains of these areas in rural villages right uh-huh. really cut off from 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 uh, resources and, and infrastructure and uh, and they eat they scratch out a living but not all the time right right some get get left behind economically and such so our uh, one of our uh, partner organizations in Guatemala called the hope of life uh, phenomenal organization that we love to partner with uh, we work with them for these baby rescues. And what happens? Let's talk about partnership, right? You've got these families, and, and oftentimes they're single mothers that are living out in a in a hut out in the mountainside, you know, amongst the banana trees and coffee groves and, mm-hmm. and with, with kids. And uh, so oftentimes dad is gone. Dad is left. Um, and, and, and young, usually young mama is left with, with children there to care for. And uh, God bless her for trying as hard as she can to take care of her kids. But some, many times those children fall into malnutrition, particularly the newborns. And uh, so one of the uh, strategic focuses of, of Cross and Hope of Life is to identify those young babies that are at high risk or hopefully just before they get into high risk of malnutrition. 
and to rescue them and to bring not only the child but the entire family out of that context to medical care and 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 um, uh, food support and 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 nursing that child and the entire family back to health and then training them and educating them and and maybe sometimes even building a home for them to go back to and then helping that family have a, a long-term uh, capability for hope to thrive in life, right? right? But what is that? That baby rescue is, is again, is a, it's a great snapshot of partnership. So it starts with the local government, right? A phenomenal group of people, uh, uh, mostly young people, and their job is to hike the trails of these mountains and to find very vulnerable Again, young mothers with kids that are in that situation, develop a relationship with them. And it has to happen quickly because these are generally newborns or weeks old, uh, sometimes a few months old uh, children. And extremely and remote, it, aren't it, they? They are very, very remote. You've been, I know. And, and it takes, uh, it's a journey to, to get to these right, folks. Right. Uh, and develop a relationship. Gosh, you know, we, we've got an opportunity to help, one, this child survive, two, help your other children, three, help you and your entire family. Mm-hmm. So that relationship begins and that local um, uh, entity that local government is to, in, in conversation with hope alive and cross international about hey we have identified a child and a family and a mother um, that is is uh, at high need we're developing relationships she feels safe right that you're going to come and take the entire family and so we work together municipal government hope alive cross international to go out and physically go drive out in, in, in the trucks and, and, and hike out to these villages and 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 we bring that young baby back and the other kids and the mom. It's usually you know anywhere from a two to four hour uh, trip back to the hospital and the medical care at the Hope of Life uh, Center, uh, and then it's months of rehabilitation and and nutrition and training. And education for the older kids, and uh, maybe some vocational training for the mother uh, before they're ready to go back. And I love that model because you you look at, at what's occurred here. You've 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 you've, you've, you've taken an, uh, an organization that knows its local community, the local government that knows its local community, the needs. Um, we are involved in training with Hope Alive for the resources with Hope Alive, right? And together that partnership. Saves those children. And I think to date, somewhere in the, over the years, some in the neighborhood of forty thousand young babies have been saved. And it's those astounding, families, isn't it's, it? It really is truly, and that's just one snapshot of a beautiful partnership, right? That's not just for today, but it's effective change for the long term for that family. And, and that's what I mean about partnership. So it's not just say uh, an outside organization like Cross coming and just doing it. Right, doing it to you. It's doing. It's doing this. It's this ministry work with local. Right. They know much better than we. Right, and that right. that's the backbone. And so, for community development work that Cross does and others like ours globally, um, that framework, if you can uh, think about it that way, of of the um, um, the desire to partner, and then how does that apply in various situations that that may, it may be an orphanage, it may be rural community development for agricultural-based things. It may be medical care, you know, kind of fill in the blanks of the type of work that's done, but done with that perspective and that heart and and, and intent of partnership. And yes, and it's partnerships on so many different levels, isn't it, Kelly? Yeah, it really is. It really is. You know, and, and one of the neat things about 
um, the our, our community of organizations, Christian organizations, non-Christian organizations. Again, as I mentioned, starting back 1990s <laughs> to today, so much has changed. Uh, you know, this is a learning community, and the idea of partnership is much more ingrained in organizational ethos and the way that we operate. There's much more partnership around the globe now and such. And, you know, here in North America, in the U.S. and Canada and uh, and such, there's a, an entity called the Accord Network, which I know you know, uh, but for our listeners, uh, that is the consortium of, of Christian uh, international organizations like Cross International. We come together on a regular basis and share amongst each other best practices, learnings, uh, collaborative conversations and efforts that translate out into places like in Guatemala and others around the world. So there's a strong, strong, strong push and effort within the, the Christian NGO non-governmental organization community uh, and, and beyond uh, to, to continue to grow and get better at this idea of partnership. Because that's truly what has been uh, at the backbone operationally of, of creating change. Can I add one, one more story? Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm sure. sorry to bore you with this stuff. But, you know, <laughs> no, like, no. I, I love this. Never bored. Yeah. So let's let's stay in Guatemala. We're gonna, I'm not going to hop on a plane, right? But we're okay. going to stay in Guatemala, and actually in that region, <laughs> right, where we're at. And uh, I was just uh, just uh, at this village called um, uh, Los Vasquez uh, uh-huh. oh, two weeks ago. And, um, again, with our partner, Hope Alive. And, uh-huh. and very different context. This is, a, a, a again, in the same area, right? So very, very mountainous, um, uh, high degree of poverty. Um, most of the people live here are agricultural-based, you know, uh, coffee farms, mm-hmm. hugging the hillsides of these mountains, right, maybe some bananas, right. these kind of things, right? And um, we are starting, over the last few years, we're starting to work, again, Hope Alive, local government and such, with these, these communities about 120 to 130 families per community and help them improve their agricultural uh, capabilities, right? So that they can, again, have an economic house, have right, money, have income right. for home, right? And it starts with the church. Oh, it starts yeah. with the church, right? Yeah. So within the communities, um, uh, the, the church, the physical church itself is the hub, right? And then the spiritual dynamic of, of the pastor and, and church leaders who oftentimes are, are part of what's called the Kode, which, uh, which is the local leadership group in these villages. And, um, boy, God's love is so expressed through these leadership groups, helping not just this leadership group of people, but the entire community envision how can life be better for us? Mm. You know, how, can, how can God bless us um, in both spiritual and, and, and physical ways? And that's a starting point, right? Again, it's not it's not some Western organization coming and saying you need to do this, 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 and that. No, no, it's it's cross international. It's a hope of life organization walking alongside that Kokoda and saying, "What are your needs? What what do you the folks of this village? What do you want to accomplish through this?" And and they identify those needs. And um, so this village, uh, Los Vasquez, is just at the starting edges of of this three to five year growth plan of, of how to learn to grow coffee uh, more effectively, how to harvest it more effectively. Very simple, what we call climate smart techniques. So it doesn't take a lot of, of uh, high chemical fertilizer. It's just basic stuff, clearing out um, debris, um, getting rid of this very simple little bug uh, and using empty Coke bottles. We'll do a whole story on that one in another podcast. Right. But low technology stuff doesn't cost a thing. 
So just to give you an example, I was with one um, farmer again two weeks ago. His name was uh, Thomas Tomas. Um, and we were saying, gosh, and he was in a different village. So this is the village that we began the same thing mm-hmm. about a year and a half ago. And he says, yeah, my, my, the yield from, from his about two and a half acres uh, uh, two years ago was about 6,000 pounds of coffee. And, and he's talking, they're just now getting into, into harvest season. Right. And just this big beaming smile on his face. This is that father of two kids. He and his wife have two young goddaughters and stuff. And just this big beaming smile. Going, yeah, we'll probably do about 15,000 pounds this year. Who are less than two years later? Almost three times the yield. Oh, Very that's, simple that's techniques, great. right? And, and he is just so thankful to God, you know, that, that, that the community came together partnered together, Hope a Life partner with Cross International, partnered with them to help envision what could be, right? And then provide the resources for that could be to begin to happen. And now it is happening. That, to me, is a beautiful, another beautiful, beautiful picture of partnership to create that effective long-term change. Boy, it really is. That's just wonderful. So, Chris, I, I've got an invitation for our listeners. Can I can I get that out to them? Yeah, sure. Okay. So, for all of you <laughs> that are listening, we we we'd love to partner with you, and and hear from you. If you've got questions, comments, thoughts, uh, whatever it might be about this topic, uh, you know, join in the conversation with us at, at Across the World. Send us an email, and I'll get, I'm going to give you an email address real quick. But we would love to hear from you and and, and, and hear your questions, your comments. So, here's the email address. It's podcast at crossinternational.org. Pretty simple. Podcast at crossinternational.org. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. It'd be great. Yeah. Thanks so much. If you'd like to learn more about Cross International and make a difference in the lives of vulnerable children and their family members, visit our website at crossinternational.org. See you next time at Cross the World with Kelly Miller.